But because we can forget, I think it's worth us taking a few minutes and just remembering the enormity of Jesus' resurrection so that we can kind of recapture the joy that we maybe occasionally can lose sight of because we get trapped in life and we get bogged down. I mean, I, I keep going back to what we were talking about last week, how easy it is to get blinders on and only see the one painful thing in front of you, the one difficult thing in front of you, and lose sight of the forest for the trees, right? We lose context of the things that we're looking at. And it's really easy to be going through life as the church and forget to just revel in the amazing act that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was raised from the dead and just, just to be amazed and awestruck by that thing. Because we, we, can, we can forget and losing sight of that can hold us back. It can, it can prevent us from, from boldly going forward or from boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus just because we forget that he is a God who works miracles and wonders and amazing things like that we could have never expected him to be able to accomplish. The big picture is that we have a risen Savior who has conquered death and sin and made reconciliation with the Creator of the universe possible for us. All those things that we just celebrated, His death and rising and He's coming back, all of these things that we're celebrating, we, we have to constantly be reminding ourselves because if we lose sight of that, it can be really difficult to make it through one day, let alone a week, a month, a year. Right? And so this is an amazing, amazing thing. So if you're in John chapter 20, I kind of want to look at the people that were closest to Jesus through his ministry and what their mindset was immediately after Jesus' death. Because, because I think it's sometimes easy to relate to where the disciples found themselves. And so if you're in John chapter 20, I'm going to start in verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So here's the thing. The disciples, right after Jesus' death, or right as he was taken into custody by all the authorities and he was getting ready to go be taken away to be beaten and brutally murdered because people were afraid of what he stood for, all the disciples ran. All the disciples hid. And they eventually found each other again. But they found themselves in this little room with the doors locked. And I, I think that picture of them standing behind the doors locked just kind of reflects just the fear that they had present within them. And it says they were afraid of the Jews. The guy that they had been, followed, been following had been taken into custody. He'd been killed. Their leader was gone. Even though... And we've, and we've read about this in Mark, if you've been here on Sunday nights, if we've been reading through the book of Mark. We keep reading about how Jesus is teaching them and reminding them, hey, I'm going to die, but it's okay, I'm coming back. There's an end to this. I have a plan. We're going somewhere. But, but, the, but even in that moment, when it actually happened, when Jesus was taken into custody, when Jesus was killed, where do we find the disciples going? Do we find them confidently saying, we're not afraid, he's coming back? No, they're huddled in a little room with the door locked, afraid that the Jews are going to come take them away and kill them too. They forgot the promises of God, and they found themselves kind of paralyzed and trapped in this space. 
And I think it's worth, it's worth asking, where would we be with, if our leader had been taken away? Would we go and hide? Or where, where are we? What do we do? What's our response when we're at our lowest point? Because if you think about it, this is, at this point in their ministry, this is the disciples' lowest point. Just, just a week prior, they had been welcomed into the city following Jesus, and all these people are shouting, Hosanna, he's our king, he's here to save us. And they're seeing all these people come in, and I can, I can imagine them thinking, this is great. We're with Jesus. Everybody loves us. We're going to be really popular. Man, how things have changed, right? And they feel like they've lost, and they feel like they have no hope, and they go, and they lock themselves in this room, and they're hiding behind the door so that nobody so that nobody can come and get them because they're worried that they're just the next ones on the chopping block. And I think we need to ask ourselves, this is what happens when we lose sight of the promises of God, right? We can, we can lock ourselves away, we can hide, we can keep ourselves from actually, you know, continuing with the mission that he said he was going to leave us with. The, mission, the same mission that he's going to call them to here in just a second. And when we lose sight of the fact that Jesus was raised, right, because we're on the same side of this as they are. At this point, at this point, he's already been resurrected. This is the day that he said he was coming back, but they've forgotten that he said that. They're not remembering this. They're hiding. They're trapped. They're not accomplishing the mission that he left for them. How do we respond in the moments when we are at our lowest, when we're at the most fearful, when we're worried that things aren't going the way we had anticipated? And I love what it says here. There are lots of ways that you can interpret what it says, and Jesus came and stood among them. There's the version where it says he knocked on the door, they let him in, and then he started talking to them. But I've always read this as they're hiding behind a locked door, and all of a sudden Jesus was there. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if it was like a Bifrost thing. That's a joke for the nerds. All I know is all of a sudden Jesus was there, and he's like, guys, I'm here. Look, this is really me. I'm here alive, physically human in front of you again. See the holes in my hands. See the place in my side where they, where they, put, where they stabbed me with the spear to make sure that I was dead. Right. He's saying, this is really me. So Jesus, Jesus some way teleports himself, walks in the door. I don't know, maybe walks through the wall. That'd be, pretty, that'd be pretty freaky, David Copperfield kind of thing too. However he did it, he is now in this place with them and they're in their moment... <laughs> And they're in their lowest point, and they're thinking, we're going to die. They're going to come for us. And all of a sudden, he's like, no, you're not going to die. I died, and now I'm alive. Like, like, death isn't the thing that we need to be afraid of anymore. I'm here with you. And he reminds them of their mission. He reveals not only that he's alive, but he's alive, and he has a mission for them. The work is not done. Jesus' resurrection signifies the completion of his work, but the beginning of ours, Right? And if you want a great commission, in the book of John, this is kind of the version of the great commission that he gives them, right? He says, peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he says, here, have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with you the rest of the way. He's going to guide you. He's going to take you. He's going to make sure your mission is accomplished, right? Go out. Go out seeing people saved, recognizing the forgiveness of sins and repentance and restoration, Right? He's giving them this call. He's saying, you shouldn't be held up in this room afraid of what's going to happen next, but rather you should be seeing that I am alive and excited and ready to go and out telling people about who I am and what it is that I have accomplished. Talking about the fact that I'm back. Talking about the fact that I have overcome death. I have accomplished this great thing that I promised I was going to do. And I think it's great, this picture of them being locked away it's kind of this picture of them being over, like 
inwardly focused and fearful, right? We can get kind of trapped inside ourselves, you could say. Get trapped in your own thoughts, get trapped in your own worries, get trapped in your own fears. But Jesus comes in and says, we don't need the locked door. We don't need to be hiding. We need to open the door and we need to be out. We need to be, we need to be confident. We need to be passionate about the things that, that I'm calling you to go tell the people, tell the world about so that they can know what it is that I've done. And again, I ask this question. How do we respond when we're at our lowest point? Do we lock up inside ourselves and hide away and go, and go you know, kind of shyly sit in a quiet place where nobody can see us and nothing can nothing can hurt us, or do we confidently step out and say, no, 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 I have something I need to say. I have a mission that I've been given. My Lord's work has been completed, and now I'm out about doing the work that he's called me to. It's so easy to lose sight of the fact that Jesus had promised them that he was going to come back, that they became fearful. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 24, it says, Now Thomas... One of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands and put your hand out and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. As I was reading through this, I kept going back to all those, you know, all those different moments in TV, movies, all that, when... I almost, I almost played a clip from City Slickers today just because it was an excuse to play a clip from City Slickers. There's this moment where Billy Crystal's sitting there talking about the cowboy, oh, what's his name, Curly, and he's talking about, oh, he's crazy. He's probably going to kill us. We're going to be murdered. We're going to be left in a ditch. He's right behind me, isn't he? You know that moment? I kind of feel like that's what Thomas is doing here. He's kind of channeling his inner Peter, you know, because Peter's always the one who's ready to speak first, ready to speak confidently. And all the disciples are saying, hey, Thomas, guess what? Jesus is alive. We just saw him. He says, y'all are crazy. And, and furthermore, unless I, can, unless I can stick my finger in the hole in his hand and stick my hand into his side, I won't believe. And Jesus is like, okay. Let's go. And he's like, all right, you're alive. I'm sorry. And I love what Jesus says to him here. He says, you have seen me and you believe, and that's a good thing. But man... How much more amazing is it for those who have not seen me and yet they believe? And he's talking about us in that moment. How amazing is it that we haven't seen Jesus walk around, we haven't gotten to stick our finger in the hole in his hand that was left after he died for our sins, and yet we can believe. I mean, I think we can still channel our inner Thomas sometimes where we, where we tend to say things like, I need to see this happen, or I need to have this sign happen, or, or I'll believe if this. And we put these stipulations on what it will take for us to, to agree to do the things that we feel God is calling us to. Well, if God shows me this, then I'll go. If God does this, if he answers this, and we, and we can wrap it up in really, really spiritual words sometimes, right? Like, I'm waiting for this door to be opened or this door to be closed. And sometimes it's just God says, go out and talk to people about me. Sometimes it's just love your neighbor. Sometimes it's just... Sometimes it's just go serve the widow or the, or the prisoner. 
or the orphan. Sometimes it's just specific calls, and and we don't need a sign to prove that we should do that, but but we wait for one because it will make us feel more comfortable or or it keeps us from having to put ourselves in an uncomfortable situation too quickly. And we can go back, we can lock ourselves inside the room and hide because it's a little bit safer in there when we don't have to step out and put ourselves in those places. But Jesus Jesus appears and says, no, I'm alive. You get to see me. Look, here I am in the flesh. You have no reason to doubt. But yet there are going to be those who come behind you who who are going to believe even without having seen. And And my prayer is that that is who we are as a people, that we aren't the kind of people who are shy and waiting to see some amazing thing to encourage us to act but, re- but rather, we, we, we believe in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and we believe in the resurrection and what the resurrection means and that he really did. Because again, he's saying, you can put your finger in the hole in the hand that was left from the nail. He's saying, I am physically here. This isn't some sort of Jesus saying, I have appeared to you. Look, this is me, Jesus. But no, he's actually physically there. He is, he is physically there in human form saying, I have raised from been raised from the dead, you have no reason to doubt. Our faith is not in what we can see, which makes our belief in Christ all the more miraculous. Right? The fact that there is a group of people who would die for the sake of Jesus Christ having never seen Him is an amazing and miraculous thing. A thing that does not make sense. And maybe that's you, maybe that's not you. But if it's not, John gives us this nice little kind of ending. In my my Bible it says the purpose of this book. I wish more of the Bible would have little sections that say, here's the purpose for why I'm writing this. But, But John gives us this nice little ending to this story. He says in verse 30, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The whole point of Jesus appearing back to the disciples and John making sure that we know that they physically got to see him is so that we as the church can be reassured. We can be reassured that Jesus really was alive and we should not lose sight of that. Again, I go back to this idea. It's so easy to to get trapped in the moment, to have the blinders put on and lose sight of the big picture, which is we have nothing to lose. We're serving somebody who conquered death. So what's the worst that can happen to you? What's the worst thing that could happen if you were to follow him passionately and without fear? The fact that you believe is a miracle. The fact that you believe is a work of the Holy Spirit in you, giving you the faith to believe. I don't, I, I don't have it up here on the screen, but if you've been here on, on Sunday nights, we've been working to memorize Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to turn there real quick. 
But one of my favorite sections, we haven't gotten to this in our memorization yet, but when you get to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, this is so important. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Right? right? We, we say that and we know that, but what's it saying? It's saying the Holy Spirit at work in you gives you this faith to believe that Jesus is alive. We have not seen him. We don't get to say, I'll believe him, I will follow him when I can touch the hole in his hand. We don't get that luxury. But yet we believe because because God so loves us that he has given us this faith to believe in him. And I don't have anything more, more complicated this morning to say than two things. One, if you don't believe in him, you should. It seems so simple. But yet, but yet to say, I'm going to have put my faith in this guy who, who lived 2,000 years ago on earth and, and died and was raised again. That sounds crazy. And it does sound crazy. It doesn't make sense that we would believe that. But yet, because the Holy Spirit in us is at work changing our hearts, changing our, our desires and our motivations and our mind and our thinking and our way that we perceive everything within creation, we can believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead and that he conquers death and he conquers sin in that moment, making it possible for us to be reconciled, brought back together with God, a relationship that we had severed when when sin entered the world and we could not be with him. That's application one, believe in Jesus. Application two, for those of us who are already in Christ, for those of us who do believe in Him, what would it look like if we constantly had the idea of a resurrected Jesus present in our thoughts and on our hearts everywhere we went all the time? How would that affect the way that we interacted with those people around us? How would it affect the way that we love people that we we come into contact with, even those who are hard to love sometimes? How would it change the way we speak to one another if, if, if the resurrected Savior was constantly a thing that we were just rejoicing in? If, if our hearts were, were constantly exploding with joy for knowing that we get to know the creator of the universe who went to such great lengths to bring us back and adopt us into his family. How how overwhelming is this thought that Jesus is alive and that he wants to have this this relationship with us, but he also wants us to do something. He's saving us to action. He's saving us to do a thing, to go out and proclaim his name. How would it change the way that we interact with other people if we were constantly in communication with him and constantly thinking of what what he went through and what he accomplished at the cross and three days later? So, so the thing that I want us to ask ourselves is, are we the ones who, who are going to lock ourselves in the room where it's, where it's safe? Or are we the ones who, who Jesus is going to open that door and, and say, go, go, be free. <laughs> go, go talk. Go, go, go praise me publicly. Go talk about how amazing and wonderful it is to be in the body of Christ. Go, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it is not sensible for us to be those kinds of people. It looks really weird 
to people who don't believe in Jesus for a bunch of people to walk around talking about a guy who came back to life. It does not make sense that that is our message, but that is the message that we believe, and we believe it wholeheartedly. And hopefully, I'm and, and my prayer this morning is that we, as the church, would be so excited about the resurrection. Like, I think all the songs that we're singing this morning really just praise Jesus for the glory of the resurrection, and they're supposed to be filled with, with joy and excitement, and I want us to have that as the church. I don't want us to be sitting here worrying about what comes up tomorrow or or what's going on in our lives around this. But I want us just to be overwhelmed at the goodness of Jesus and the amazing things that he accomplished as he overcame death and he overcame sin and death in us so that we can praise him. That's it. Let's pray.